2017, three men joined together in a pact to see what they could collectively do to advance civilization, further the cause of world peace, and elevate mankind. These three men were internationally renowned musician and Lincoln Park multi-instrumentalist Dave Phoenix Farrell, multiple PGA Tour champion and world-class golfer Brendan Steele, and Mark. They named themselves the members. Those who they chose to sit with and ponder the mysteries of the universe, they named the guests. What you're about to listen to is one of those historic conversations. Welcome to the Member Guest Podcast. Welcome to Member Guest. Hello, friends. This is Dave. Welcome to the Member Guest Podcast. We're recording at our home away from home, the brewery. The brewery is, in our most humble opinions, the best microbrewery in California, if not anywhere. Guys, I think that's pretty safe to say, right? Absolutely. And with me, as always, the first voice you just heard, Mr. Brendan Steele, and also Mr. Mark Fiore. How are we doing, boys? We're doing good. How are you doing? Hanging in there. Guys, today we have a very special guest sitting with us as we speak. He is a mastermind here at the brewery. He's a creative mind. He isn't afraid to take chances, both in life and with your beers. Through this process, he's built an incredible company and an awesome brand. He is the Oz that you'll find at the end of the Yellow Brewery Road. Can you believe that? (laughs) Can you believe that? I wrote that, Pat. That's nice. Guys, it's Patrick Rue. Wow. Yes. Welcome, Thank you. Welcome to your office, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Looks cleaner. You guys, you guys do a nice job cleaning. How was the drive-in? Is it okay getting down here? Oh, it was fine. I got lost, but yeah. Okay. Uh, it's good. So it's, this was member guest podcast, but it's also more maybe a, it's like a member host. He's still a guest of the show, but he's just not a guest in his office. We're all guests, too. Although, uh, this week, I feel like maybe you are a guest in your office, because we've spent a lot more time in here than you have. So. Patrick, can you That's explain true. to us your office? Yeah, so we're inside a freight container. I don't know, maybe over 10 years, freight companies get rid of these containers, and they sell them for super cheap. Otherwise, they have to crush them and recycle them. So, uh, it's a 20-foot container. It's 8-foot wide, 20 feet long. And we have our flooring is made from our bourbon barrels uh, that we use, uh, that we've once used for beer. And Very cool. Yeah, we try to go for an industrial look, but also with uh, kind of a rustic feel. What is your preferred title around here? Patrick or Pat. I'm the CEO, but I hate that title. It feels important, and I'm not that important. I think we'd like to give you a little more credit than that. Maybe like creative genius, maybe like uh, captain of the ship. Yeah. You know, I don't know. We, we can go a lot of different ways with it, but I think we give you a lot of credit for everything you've done here. It's it's a really cool place. One of my favorite places to come. We've had a lot of fun every time we've been here, but uh, really appreciate all your help that you've done for us and, and letting us taste some, some awesome beers. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. Great having you guys around. Everybody uh, who works here is like, what are these really cool people doing in Pat's office? Like, <laughs> they don't belong here. Um, Brendan and Dave are here, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, guys. We've definitely enjoyed enjoyed our time here for sure. Really quickly, I think your story, your starting story is cool. So if you could share that, that would be awesome. Sure. And then also, like as you think back, what do you remember about that early process for you? Uh, so I started out as a home brewer my first year of law school. My wife told me to get a hobby. I had a friend who I was in college with who was a, was a home brewer, and I thought that was such a cool hobby. So I chose, uh, chose home brewing. Pretty quickly became really obsessed with that and kept getting worse and worse at school. 
Law school is really, it's all graded on a curve. So failing is not that hard when everybody's really motivated to kick your ass. Right. <laughs> it's like not everybody can get A's. I'm sorry. Even if everybody works really hard, you can't all get A's or B's or C's. Someone's going to get an F. I, that wasn't me, thankfully. I was very middle of the middle of the curve, uh, which is not impressive either. Um, so straight through school, I was brewing probably once a week, maybe a few times a week. Instead of studying, I was making beer in my garage. And so I got the brewery open for 300000 which I thought was the coolest thing because everybody was like, it's going to cost a million to put this thing together. Right. And that's true. It does cost a million to put a brewery together, but you're able to do it for less if you figure out what's important and what's not that important, what you can add later. You know, the first few months of getting open, I was like, oh, is this a real business? Is this actually going to work or do I need to sell this like now? So my dad became a partner pretty quickly because I ran out of money within like the first two months of operation. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing to build a place, but uh, you need enough cash to um, continue running it and buy inventory. And uh, thankfully, the beer started selling and um, uh, it's not a very compelling story there. but <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're selling yourself short with as far as the compelling story. Any beginnings like that, it always comes with what you're alluding to, I think, which is just the, the struggles early on. Did you have a set of people that you were trusting that they're saying that, you know, your beer's awesome, like this stuff's actually it's great. And then also with that, like, did you find detractors as well? People just saying like, dude, go back to law school, man. Like, what are you doing? You're- right. I didn't trust anybody's opinion on whether my beer is good or not. Because everybody's going to say, if you're a home brewer, uh, your parents, everybody's going to say that you make awesome beer, uh, even if it's not good. It's just, oh, wow, that's so nice, you know. I have to stop you right there because Mark and I have made some beer, and we've had a lot of people tell us that it's terrible. <laughs> I think we made a beer. Do you remember which one we made? Shitter Ale. Yeah. So we made it up in the mountains in Arrowhead, and we snow chilled it. Yeah, our, our first uh, batch of wort was chilled in the snow. That's yeah. how we cooled it down. That's the best way to do it. And we named it uh, Shitter Ale after its first unveiling, after its first tasting. We waited to name it until we could taste it, and that was a pretty pretty appropriate <laughs> name, actually, we felt like. The first bottle was okay, and then I think by the time I had my the second bottle, my throat started to like swell shut. Do you remember that? <laughs> that's <laughs> not good. I, I could feel like my throat caving in, and I was like, yeah, that's it. No more, no more of that. We had like 30 bottles to throw away. Yeah, I mean, the first few batches of homebrews, Whoever's making it, you can become the best brewer in the world, but your first few batches are probably not going to be that good. That's okay. Just learn what went wrong and uh, fix those things and move forward. So I started entering competitions where you're you know, submitting them blindly, and if you submit it into a specific category, say like an IPA category, you might be having uh, – there might be 20 other beers alongside your beer that judges are trying, and um, you, know, you get first, second, and third out of however many entries were submitted. That's a really great way of – getting that independent feedback on whether your beer is good or not. It's on a you know, ranking system, the aroma, the flavor, the mouthfeel, the overall impression. So you can kind of, you know, this beer smells great, but it tastes terrible, or it's thin, or it's not carbonated, or whatever. It's a great way of getting feedback from someone else but your mom. And then as far as detractors go, the people who I was homebrewing around or, you know, I, you know, I would tell them I was going to go open up a brewery and it was, that was kind of a pipe dream for a lot of people like, oh, sure you are. Like, that's bullshit. I've heard a lot of people say that before. You're not going to do it. Or my beer is better than yours. You know, how are you doing this and not me? So I love them for challenging me and, you know, pushing me in this direction. 
and now they're like the nicest people in the world to me. And um, so it's interesting how someone who wants a detractor can become one of your biggest fans. I think um, that happens in all of our walks of life. You have people that uh, on the way up kind of go like, what are you doing? This is stupid. You're never going to be any good at this game or your, your band's never going to make it big. Why are you doing that? You know, and then they go like, oh, man, that's so cool, Dave. I, I love you. You're so awesome. Can I hang out with you all the time? And you're like, eh. One of the biggest ones of those for, for me and my family was with Lindsay, my wife. We had just gotten, or maybe we had just won our first uh, Grammy, and there was a person who she was familiar with, and this person had even said, almost point blank, like, you realize that your husband's in a touring rock band, and like you know what they do when they're touring, right? Like it was that kind of an attitude talking to my wife. Wow, she was clearly not super impressed with that at that moment, <laughs> and it was also tied in with that where it was you know these guys what are they ever going to do like sure they're going they're going in touring but it's not going to amount to much like what's your long term plan like that was always the subcontext and after we won a Grammy the mentality or feeling from them was like congratulations like oh my gosh that's so great i'm like, telling everyone that i know yeah. you and it's, and they've it, always been a supporter right they yeah. never they never admit that they were wrong i always knew you were gonna make it and brendan too i i mean i've heard him talk about it and we joke about it after he wins a tournament or has a really great finish probably like a ton of texts and voicemails there when it's not going so well sometimes it's it's just a, a handful that you're receiving yeah, normally, like when I'm when I'm missing cuts or a couple cuts in a row or you know whatever it is, kind of know there's about like five people I may hear from, and two of them are in this room, so I I can always appreciate that. But I always feel like that's when you know who your real friends are is when it's like, hey, I'm not just your friend when you're playing really well, you know, or when times are good. It's like, hey, how you doing? Everything okay? Like, what's going on? When you coming home? That kind of stuff. Like when you're when you're playing bad, you know, more so than the 300 text messages you get after you win a tournament. Right. My dad always says it's uh, victory has a thousand fathers and defeat is an orphan. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I know. Send me your text number and uh, I'll text you when you're doing shitty. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> what percentage of beers that you've made have just been shitty? You dumped the whole batch. Is that 5%, 10%, 20%? Boy. As a home brewer, it was probably 20%. I mean, I would drink it all. Um, or I'd find someone who was willing to drink it all. You know, it wasn't good to me, but, you know, someone's going to appreciate it. I think when you're experimenting constantly and trying new things, there's going to be a lot of failure involved. And we, you know, we brought that here at the brewery too. When we, uh, when we try something out, we try it out on our 100-gallon system. It's still painful to dump that, but uh, a lot better than dumping it, uh, you know, a 1,000-gallon batch of beer. You have a pretty unique system here too as well, as well with the um... – the bourbon barrels and like how did you kind of get into that side of it did you just do some research and kind of figure things out and go oh this is really cool or like what was your inspiration for that i'm a huge beer geek um as a home brewer and beer geek i would buy a lot of like bourbon county stout or lost abbey makes a beer called angel share uh one of my favorite beers in the world and i just knew i wanted barrels to be an important part of what we do here my wife and i had traveled to belgium and spent a little bit of time in like the lambic region and where they're making wild beers using old wine casks, you know, using bacteria that produce lactic acid, you know, sourness in beer and uh, Britannomyces, you know, wild yeast strains that are creating all these funky, cool flavors. So I just knew I wanted these eclectic beer styles to be part of what we're doing. And they're certainly unusual. We were exposing a lot of people to sour beers or, you know, 20% imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels you know, for the first time. And, you know, today in our tasting room, we're still doing that. 
So trying to challenge uh, what people think beer can be. I hear you refer to yourself all the time as a beer geek. My pushback on that is it's way deeper than that. <laughs> you know, I love that. Like you're, you're the biggest like complete beer nerd ever. I can say that there's worse. Trust me. Well, you're in, you're in that <laughs> echelon. Yeah. And speaking to that, there's the master Cicerone. Is that how, is, am I saying that correctly? Yep. You got it. In the world or in the realm of beers, the only thing I'm comparing that to is almost like the realm of wines and being sommelier and, and the taking the test to achieve a certain level of knowledge and sophistication with that. But you've done that with beers. Am I correct? And is that like a good analogy? Yeah. So in the wine world, there's the the master or the court of sommeliers or court of master sommeliers. I forget the the real title of it, but um, there's an organization that runs kind of credentialing programs that are test based, knowledge based. Um, and the beer world um, didn't have that really ever uh, until recently with the Cicerone program. Currently, 16. Uh, I think three people just passed uh, the master Cicerone exam. So congrats. Um, it was a very low pass rate. I think it's under uh, 5%. I, I can wanna... see right here on your certification on the wall that you're number eight. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm number eight. Yeah. Some, some years go by and nobody passes this exam. What do you have to do for that to prep and then to pass it? First thing I had to do was fail it. So, <laughs> and I'm only asking because <laughs> you know, my love of titles, I definitely would want to be a master Cicerone myself. Oh yeah. It's a bust. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> you think you get a lot of requests for signatures, you know, or autographs. So, Jesus. Like, you have a Sharpie don't in your even, pocket. Don't even ask. Sharpie <laughs> in your pocket at all times, prepared <laughs> to, to sign for any fans of Master Cicerones. Exactly. But seriously, what does that look like? What's the process there? Well, the first time I took it, about two years before I passed, um, I went in pretty much without any studying. I thought I would actually pass it because it that's how big of a dick I am. The second I went, I went in the room and I saw people that I knew that flew in from Colorado or the East Coast. I'm like, oh, hey, Julia, how you doing? She's like, shh. Like, I'm, you know, we're just about ready to start. And, you know, like everybody's just about to shit their pants. I'm like, oh, this is different than I was expecting. <laughs> you guys actually really prepared for this and this is a big deal. Anyway, I, I took it and I didn't do very well. Uh, for good reason. And so the second time I took it, I studied for about nine months. A lot of weeks were about 40 hour weeks. I had uh, people that I would study with over Skype. Um, someone who worked at the brewery, Ben, uh, took the master exam with me and uh, we tasted beer, you know, probably three days a week. We were doing blind tastings. Uh, some of the guys around here uh, would buy beers from us from BevMo and Total Wine and serve it to us blindly and uh, a lot of people helping us to study. Well, speaking of blind tasting, we've got uh -huh. we've got five different beers here. I just grabbed these out of the fridge in your tasting room, so you are not aware of these five beers. We're all going to kind of pass them around and so are these take a sip. Are all of these beers mark or these are all from the brewery? These correct? are all from okay. the brewery. I actually grabbed them out of the refrigerator about a hundred steps from where we are right now. Walk us through the process of blind tasting something and we'll see if you can nail it. Wow. Okay. And and maybe Dave and I can have our input first because we'll probably nail we're, it. We're also blind tasting. Right now <laughs> I can tell you that the nose, is, it's very beer-like. Mm-hmm. I'm getting beer notes. This is how I get my master Cicerone revoked. <laughs> it's like you can't identify five of your own beers. Kind of a, uh, <laughs> kind of a yellowish, brownish, orangish color. Kind of a beer color. Beery. Beer notes. It's got suds on it. Yeah. Some bubbles. and It's like I'll walk you through kind of the sensory experience. So first you want to look at your beer. Actually, first thing I do is smell it. 
because the once you pour it, you want to capture it where the aromas are going to be the most potent, and that's usually when it's been sitting undisturbed and the gas is coming out, and that's uh, the most intense you're going to smell is right at the beginning. I get usually get more on the second or third sniff, uh, but you get an overall impression of kind of where you're heading with that beer. When I look at it, it's uh, notice the clarity, the amount of carbonation coming out of solution, the amount of head. Yes, I said head. Uh, so that is a, a kind of a frothy. <laughs> well, shit, you guys know what the head is. That, uh, yeah, sorry, hadn't <laughs> done the wrong place. <laughs> We're talking about beer, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Suds. Yep. If you can guess any of these just based off smell, I think we'd all be really very impressed. Yeah, I already, uh, I already tasted this one. This is hard, you know. It's uh, so it has a Belgian yeast character. So in the aroma, it's very pear, maybe a little bit of red apple sweet you know you get some caramely uh, it's almost like a little bit of like apple juice in the aroma it looks like apple juice kind of too mm-hmm. are we drinking apple juice is it apple juice i'm gonna guess apple juice <laughs> um you'll notice usually like really sweet beers will uh kind of have a little bit of sourness that'll develop in your mouth like the basically the sugars start converting uh over into simpler compounds and you get a little bit of like tartness after maybe 20 seconds of swallowing um i'm not getting that here so i can tell it's a pretty dry beer so this is a long way of saying I have no idea what beer this is. So let me come back to that one if that's all right. Yeah. Maybe while we're doing this too, explain yeah. how many different beers you produce. Because I know you have, uh, we talked about it the other day, and I think you did, you're doing 100 in the, in the year. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. So we'll bottle probably, we probably bottled around 90 different beers this year. We're trying to stump you with one of, say, 90 beers that you've created this year. So it's, yeah. it's not like you have... 10 beers on tap over there and and we're trying to stump you with one of them i should be able to do this though (laughs) (laughs) well unless you want your title revoked you you better get on it you got four to go here yeah make you guys edit this part out and only the ones i get you'll hear about that's what we said earlier too is is through the magic of podcasting you could just say anything and then we could say correct Or you could say anything, even if you're right. We could still then just say, like, nope, no. man, you're terrible at this. I'm so sorry. Damn. There's a lot of trust. There's right, a lot of trust with us and the listener. We're moving on to number two here. This one smells kind of beery. Beery. Yeah. This one smells funky. As I look at it. <laughs> um, I, I did pour these about an hour ago, and I poured them into <laughs> warm glasses that came directly out of the dishwasher. So It's got a soapy, dishwashery taste. <laughs> This one's not giving us any head. No, yeah. See what I did there for you? Thank Ooh, you. Yeah. That is very good. Some more acidic beers tend to not develop a very good uh, head. Hmm. It's hard to... This is more of the, the, more the sour. Of, more of the sour. Yeah. So, so it's probably from one of our brewery to brands. I'm getting the Frucht. That's a good call. So I'm going to say it's the base for Frucht called Frederick H. There's a specific fruit noted in the oh, title shit. of this sour beer. So Dave got it. So it's fruit, raspberry. Hang on. Stand by. Mm. Apricot. The number two beer that we tried was the fruit mango. Ooh. Shit. All right. Doing great. Edit this one, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, just say, Pat, now say fruit mango. Fruit mango. Yay! <laughs> wow. Live in it. Wow. wow. He is good. I got it. All right. Beer number three. Number three. Yeah. Can, this good, call for, good call for saying fruit, though. Shut all right, beer number three. Now, I've had enough of your beers where I already know not what this is. I'm not going to say that, but just from smelling it, it's got this is like my wheelhouse. Cocoa nibs. Yeah. We got cacao. A lot of nibs in this. I'm getting a lot of nib notes. 
I get a dry nib versus a wet nib. What is that's, it? That's what a, is a nib? That's all Mark and I know is that there's nibs. <laughs> it's a bean. It's it's the cocoa bean that's been roasted. When you're making chocolate, you take that, you make cocoa powder out of it, usually separate you know, the oil from it, and then add sugar and add vanilla. And Anyway, this is not a chocolate show. This one smells incredible, though. This is definitely like a bourbon barrel aged. Yeah. Vanilla-y. You get the vanilla? I get the chocolate. It's got both. Chocolate I mean, and vanilla swirl? Yeah, like a ice cream swirl at the at the fair. A little bit of both. A twist. Is that what it is? Swirl. <laughs> this is your wheelhouse, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you tell? So if you could disregard the bourbon character and just focus on the color of it or the lightness of color and the flavors that you're tasting and name a type of candy that this reflects, what would it be called? Long dramatic pause. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm, try, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the ones that I that I know. It's name it's got a candy in the name? Yeah. I'll just do it. I said white chocolate. That oh, is that, correct. I've drank it so correct. much of this. It's absolutely I'm, delicious. It is very good. I'm absolutely disappointed with myself that I could right. name that. Beer number four. This won't take you very long. So it's very hoppy. This is this is an offshoot beer. Uh he only poured bottle. Did you? Do you have cans? Don't don't cheat. I'm uh, saying I don't know any sneaky. information. I don't know where they came from right. or what. But I'm just saying because it's got more of an IPA thing. Right. Isn't your IPA thing all offshoot beer? Yeah, yeah. But we do make some hoppy beers that go mm. in the bottle. Man, that's good. Whatever it is, I'm I'm going offshoot, and I'm just gonna be one of the like uh, like the Thanksgivingy ones. Yeah, like, it's clear. The one like you brought over some to my house, and it tastes like one of those. Yeah, that was hazy. This one's clear. So I'm going to say it's Hop Luck if it's going to be a clear beer from Offshoot. That is correct. It is Hop Luck. Sweet. Still tasting good. Yeah, it's very good. Woo-hoo. Still some of the taste room, too, so buy it up, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Quick plug for Hop Luck. All right, beer number five. Get it while it's there. Ooh, nice dark one. All right. So I got some acidity and aroma. Chocolate, black currant, a little bit of oak. I want to, well, I'm just going to name it. Uh, so Tarta Darkness, but there's probably a fruit in it. One second. Poisonberry. I'm just here to try to throw you off. I just picked this one because it has an awesome name. I also taste poisonberries. <laughs> <laughs> this one, too, has a beery scent. <laughs> it appears to be a dark beer. I'm using my this one, eyes this to one tricked discern me though, that. Pat, I was thinking as I was looking at it, that's going to be rich, going to be like yeah. a stout, like a I dark, yeah, like a dark beer, um, more like a Black Tuesday yeah. or like a. Yeah, my memory sucks. This fifth beer is the Juggling Walrus. Oh, huh! Surprised we have that one in the tasting room. That's a fun beer. Who names yeah. all the beers here? You guys have kind of clever names. You got great branding logos and all your bottles. From all over the place, we um, typically do a naming contest with any new beer. So ask everybody here, and we get some really good ones and some not so good ones. And um, does the beer always come first? Yep, yeah, beer always comes first. So with juggling walruses, I believe that was named by the Teru staff. Uh, we were really busy during the time that they made this beer, so they felt like they were juggling like you know large, heavy objects. So juggling walruses, it was. I think you. I think you did an excellent job. Pat, with this tasting. However, I will say that I'm a little bit disappointed. I read some of your interviews that you've done with some different beer publications and things. And I was reading descriptors that you had used, like wet horse, leather, 
and describing it as a bit fecal. Oh, yeah. Do you don't like that? No, I lo- I was hoping that one of these <laughs> beers would be a wet horse leather and a bit fecal. Oh, uh, we can go there. Well, yeah, now, we'll, we'll still have to pick out some other some, different bottles. We do don't actually use that. But. Get some poop beer in here. Yeah. Do you like to do that just to mess with people? Or you just make stuff up as you go and they go, oh, well, Master Cicerone, so I guess we'll have to listen to him. Well, no, it's it's actually there, but usually, I don't know, marketing savvy. People don't describe things that way. As a wet horse? Yeah, wet horse is pretty, that's pretty common. Uh, barnyard is the nice way of saying it, uh, which also can include like pig poop um, or really any kind of farm animal poop. Looks like a beer, smells like a beer, drinks like a beer. Pat's stuck on number, you go back to number one, is that Oh, back to number one. Yeah, back to number one. I I think this one is something that probably we haven't made in a while. That is correct. Uh, As a batch number one. That is correct. Oh, nice. Nicely done. Very good. That was very impressive. Yeah, it has like mischief-like notes, but it has like the body of Saison Rue, but it doesn't have the rye spice, but it doesn't have the funk. I don't know, it's just like... It's hard to figure these things out. But, I mean, it has to be so hard to do this when you're constantly blending these things together, too. Like you were saying right. earlier, you have the, the base of one, and then you add different things to it, and then it's like, okay, now we're going to mix these together, and it'll be whatever the mixture is, but it might be 50% of Black Tuesday and whatever, and you create all these different new things. So if we're giving you things from a couple of years ago, that makes it even that much harder because now you're a couple steps removed from that even. Well, thank you. I feel better. <laughs> trying, I'm trying to give you some credit. I'm bailing you out so they don't take away your master Cicerone hood. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> when you're starting out, when you're brewing beers, what pushed you into the lane as far as creating a beer that was almost more of like a, a special occasion beer? It's, you know, it's not your everyday thing that you buy in a six pack. This is more of celebrate something, get buddies together. Like this is a different type of thing. It's a different price point. It's served in a larger volume, you know, wine size. What's a 300 milliliter? Uh, so 750 milliliters, so, most of our. It's yeah. not even close, <laughs> so I guess. Same as size, it's like a wine it. bottle. So beer in any form is, is great. I love beer, you know, whether it's uh, a Budweiser that you can just slam down or, you know, a Black Tuesday that's 20% alcohol and you got to sip like, you know, cognac. It's all something that I love. But I think the really high end of beer is, is not given much attention and it really hasn't had a place uh, except in the last, you know, 10 years or 15 years. I think in Belgium that there's a lot greater of a respect for beer and pairing it with food and having a lot of different flavor profiles. And uh, the U.S. you know traditionally has not been good with that. So, so I think there's a place for beers that people might not consider as being beer. Things that go into the wine category or go into the spirits category while still being beer. I feel like beer can be you know something that you can have uh, at a tailgate and be drinking four percent beer that you're just slamming. And you can also have it at you know a Michelin star restaurant paired with your ten desserts that they bring in little tiny things. You know, sure. Like there's yeah. no reason why beer can't have the place that wine has or the you know the place that spirits has among the finer things in life. I feel like it's still an extremely affordable luxury. I think what we what we make is expensive for beer, but it's still a hell of a lot cheaper than a great bottle of wine. I love wine, and I have a hard time finding a really great bottle of thirty dollars wine, but. To find a $30 bottle of beer, like, easy. Like, that's you can have the best beers in the world for 30 bucks, even 10 bucks. you know. There's right. a lot to discover out there. What is that process like just waiting to see how something turns out? Do you get anxious? Is that fun? Do you get, like, a calendar reminder that says, oh, hey, uh, Pat, uh, don't forget to try that beer that you started eight years ago? You know, like. <laughs> yeah, I have a really short memory, so I'll start a project, and they'll be like, 
okay, I can't come back to this for 10 years. And a good example of that's my daughter's beer. Uh, so she's almost seven. So we have a beer that's almost seven years old that's still an oak that was made for her 21st birthday. I'm not good at math. Another 14 years to go or so. Um, <laughs> I, just che- just- I just checked into my calculator. That was correct. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Where do you keep that? Is it just sitting in her closet in an oak barrel, or is it here at the brewery? Or uh, it's here at the brewery, so that's it's being well taken care of, thankfully. Do you appreciate the fact that you think differently than most people? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's I get really energized by new ideas and starting new things. That's that's what I love, and I think other people, I think I could easily frustrate them by going so many different directions or having ideas that I need to do. Like I'm just like compelled. I have to do something when I get that itch. And there's other people who think sim- similarly to me, and I highly value them. I'm not the originator of all great ideas around here, and yeah. I have some really bad ideas too. I draw a lot of parallels between music and what I do with what I see the guys doing that are athletes, you know, or, or golfers. Not to say that you're not an athlete, Brendan. <laughs> Thanks. But more specifically, more so than bowlers. More specifically, <laughs> questionable. <laughs> But I, I do find that there's a lot of shared like thought process in anything that's creative. And by creative, I don't just mean artistically creative, but I mean things that are just being done differently than what might be the normal. Whether that's like in the sports world, whether that's in music, whether that's in creation of a product like a beer. It seems like this is a, such a creative place and it's in a in a sector being beer that isn't maybe traditionally, at least from my viewpoint, creative. But you guys have done such a job of creating tons of different flavor profiles. We were talking about earlier, hundreds of different bottles a year. There's such a joy in doing something that you're passionate about. And that's such like a blessing to be able to participate in something that you can do as your job that's something that you'd actually choose to do outside of that, Um, yourself included, Pat. Like you got into this because you, you were like, I love brewing beer, I love this is a thing. And then gradually you exited out of law school and a whole different career path or trajectory. What's it been like uh, hosting this first season of member guest at the brewery? We've taken over your space here. We're in your storage crate container. Yeah. Literally taking over your office. It's been awesome. We don't get a, well, we get a good amount of visitors, but we don't get a lot of visitors who uh, are, uh, what, or celebrities? What are, what are what do you guys consider yourselves? It's that's a very loose usage of the term celebrity, but yeah. we'll, we'll take it. It's it's well. very loose with the the people in this room. <laughs> we may have had a couple others on, but it's very loose around here. Should we try this last one? Or yes, yeah, for sure. I'm really excited about this one. This think, is this is the one that you you were telling me about the other day. Yeah, correct. I think you were here uh, doing my podcast and we had it in the tank, and I tried to take a sample for you, but the tank was. We, we made so little of this that the, the uh, amount of beer in there was below the sample port. So couldn't do it, but now we're trying it. So this beer is called Yaunt, uh, named after the town of Yauntville where the grapes were grown. So basically, uh, this is a wine beer hybrid. It's 49% grapes, uh, 51% grain uh, that went into the fermentability of this beer. So it's 100% a beer, but it's a fruit beer that's designed to taste like a cab. Um, so we, we bought Cabernet Sauvignon grapes from um, Parada, uh, Parada Vineyards um, in Yauntville, brought them down here on, my, on our truck. We distem them, crush them. Uh, we do a cold maceration for, tried to do up to a week. 
And then we'll add wort. Uh, so we brew Black Tuesday um, to uh, co-ferment with these grapes. Uh, the fermentation's, you know, two to three weeks, nothing, nothing unusual. And then uh, we'll separate out as much of the liquid from the grape matter as possible and put that into another tank. We then uh, use a grape press to press out the residual juice out of the grapes, put that back into that tank, and um, put this into new French oak barrels for a year and... Here it is. Uh, sounds like a pretty simple process. I think yeah. I, I, you know, I think I'm going to get out my Mr. Beer and try and try and do that at home. <laughs> Shouldn't be too tough. Yeah. You're taking some notes on that. Yeah, I got that. It turned out just like shitter ale. <laughs> <laughs> so this beer, I mean, we want you to drink it like a wine. So room temperature or, you know, cellar temperature. It's really interesting when you try it on its own. You taste more wine than beer. But uh, I had it with a great bottle of wine and then had this, and I was like, whoa, what the hell is this? It's super strange. It's not beer. It's not wine. It's something else. Awesome. Yeah. It's good stuff. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. For those wanting to follow your awesome exploits, where can they find you? Online, social media? So you can find me personally at Brewery Patrick. That's B-R-U-E-R-Y Patrick on Instagram. And uh, you can find us. We have uh, the brewery um, on Instagram, Facebook, um, all the social media sites. So T-H-E-B-R-U-E-R-Y. We also have Brewery Teru. Uh, same spelling of brewery. T-E-R-R-E-U-X. That's our sour and funky uh, brand and then offshoot beer company. I don't know what the handle is there, but if you find one, you pretty much find them all. You know, Patrick, I'm not proud to admit it, but it took me until today, and this is a year and a half later, to realize the spelling of the brewery comes from your last name, Rue. Oh, uh, you just thought R U E. You just thought I was dumb. <laughs> I picked, a typo. I picked up on that a long time ago. Yeah, and, and to my own fault, I consider myself a more intelligent person than I actually am. But every now and then I miss something. And this was one of those where I was just like, you idiot. Because like, the whole time I was like, yeah, it's cool. It's like a flip on brewery. It's a different spelling. That's great. You know, I get it. It's a different spelling. And then today I was finally like, you dumbass. If you look at that. So in my office uh, on the wall, I have an orange little logo thing of the brewery. That was what I named my home brewery. So that's the same little paper that hung above my kegerator at home. I couldn't think of a better name when it came up to starting a brewery. I didn't, I wasn't, st- I didn't think the brewery was a very good name, but I was like, you know, that's what I've been calling it since day one. So, what the hell? Congratulations on all your success. Thank you. From us, we've had a great first season here on our podcast. Thank you for hosting us, both to you and the staff here at the brewery. We couldn't have asked for a better place to do it. Awesome beers, obviously, great people that are working here. So it's a, it's a really special and cool combo for us. All of our guests that have been through this entire first season have, have loved it and had a great time with the experience. Hopefully we didn't wear out our welcome. We're, nope. We're, we're back for season two. We're pushing for a, a re-invite down the road. Did you hear that? That's that's binding now. Yeah, it's we've verbally got that, binding We've got contract. that recorded. Yep. Yeah, I okay. will not edit have that, that on tape. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that in, Mark. And for anyone listening who wants to figure out and follow what's going on with us, you can always find us online at member-guest.com or at memberguestofficial on Instagram. Or you can email us at suck at member-guest.com. Pat, you arrived today as a guest, kind of, considering it's your own place. But having been here today with us, we consider you now a member. 
Hell yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being such a gracious host. Any last words of wisdom, advice? None at all. Thank you. Beautiful. May your drives fly straight and your guitars stay tuned now and forever. Adios. Adios. Thanks, Pat. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.